outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rutfresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is Wired to Hunt's Rutfresh Radio, powered by First Light. I am your host, Spencer Newharth, and this is episode 496, which is the final episode of the season. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. I am your host, Spencer Noir. This is episode 496. And this week again, we are joined by Mark Kenyon, who for maybe the first time all season has back-to-back buck movement reports from his home state of Michigan. So Mark, tell us about what you were seeing in Michigan over the last week. Yeah, well, let's see here. I was out Saturday uh, mentoring a new hunter. And then Sunday night, I went out on my own. And then Monday night, I was scouting. I just glassed. And in general, pretty darn good movement. Um, We have decently cold temperatures, not super frigid cold, but kind of around average, I guess. It's been in the 30s. And that was last week. Uh, This is following last week when we had like 50-degree temperatures. So... A few days after the front moved through was when I was hunting 30 degree ish temperatures and the night on the back 40 when I was mentoring a new hunter, we had mm, like 10 or 11 deer come out and feed out in front of us um, that last hour of daylight. So pretty good daylight, you know, end of the night type movement that you could expect. Um, the next day I was hunting on my own, going out with a bow on one of my local places, trying to get a crack at my target buck here in the last couple of days. And while I didn't see him, there was a ton of deer moving. I mean, lots and lots of does came out early. A bunch of young bucks came out um, and they were moving, you know, a couple hours before dark. They're already on their feet and getting after it out in these cut cornfields. And then last night when I glassed a different area, I was looking at another cut cornfield and a little food plot. And again, similar tons of deer. I probably saw. I don't know, 20 to 30 deer maybe that came out feeding and that included five six bucks probably and one of them was a buck that's been on like the maybe list for me he's i'm pretty sure a three-year-old but a really nice looking three-year-old and um i watched him come out feeding that cut corn 
kind of move into that food plot and just kind of meander around with a group of four or five other bucks. So the bucks are kind of back in groups. The deer are herded up pretty good now. It's it's that very standard late season activity. They're moving on cold evenings, going to the best food, and you know finding places where they feel safe. And I was able to get eyes on a couple of spots like that. Uh, unfortunately, didn't see one of my big boys, but good to see deer. Good to get activity. I'd give it like a seven, maybe on a seven, you know, about a ten scale. I'd say probably. Yeah, and that's the best part about late season is seeing numbers of deer and seeing predictable deer movement, which sounds like exactly what you witnessed in Michigan. Now, yeah, if this were a rut hunting episode, Mark, I would ask you to talk about sort of the pillars of the rut, and then you would say something about bedding and pinch points and finding does and just spending time in the field, right? Well, this is our last episode of the year, but I think for the most part, things are kind of on change for these next three or four weeks if you have a season that goes into mid-January. So, Mark, if somebody is going to be out there for this next month and they're going to be trying to kill a buzzer beater buck, what are some of the pillars of late season whitetail hunting? All right. So if I were to simplify late season hunting down to the absolute very most important pillars of this whole thing, it would be these three things. Number one, find sanctuaries. Find areas where deer have um, found a safe spot basically where deer have gone to to avoid hunting pressure because that's the biggest thing at this point of year is that deer and bucks especially have been hunted for months on end these deer are cagey they're sick of being harassed they're sick of being hunted they're sick of being shot at and right now deer are going to be in the places where they've been left alone at least relatively that's where you're going to find deer right now if you can get to a spot where they feel safe you can have really good hunting even if you don't have the best food in the world even you know i think I think we always assume food is the very most important thing in the late season, and it's it's going to be my number two pillar, so I'm going to mention it. It's very important. But if you have amazing food, but you've been pounding the heck out of it every day, and those deer do not feel safe there, you're not going to see them during daylight. You're not going to get a shot at a buck. So you need to have that safe space. you got to find where these deer feel safe. So you need to either carefully scout to find that spot, or hopefully you know where that kind of spot already is, and you can just wait till the right time to hunt it. Or you can go out there, place cameras, do some long-distance scouting, whatever it is, re-find those deer, relocate the deer, determine where it is they've found a sanctuary. There's number one. Number two, food. If you can get number one and two lined up, a safe space and high-quality late-season food, you have a dynamite setup. Deer are living and dying by their stomachs right now. They need to refuel after the rut. They need to pack on the calories before winter. As we're getting into the heat or the heart of winter. So getting on those best high energy food sources is really going to be key. So deer are going to be flocking to things like corn, like soybeans, uh, like certain late season food plots like brassicas. Uh, if there's red oaks in your area that are still on the ground, red oak acorns are something that stick around a lot more this time of year. That'll be something deer keying in on if they don't have something like agricultural fields. Find what that hot food source is now and know that that's going to really dictate the movement patterns of deer. Deer aren't going to be cruising now. They're not going to be going and checking bedding areas. They're not going to be running through pinch points. All they're going to do is navigate from their safe bedding to their safe food and move as little as possible between those two places because they're trying to preserve energy. They don't want to use any more energy than necessary right now because stuff's going to get cold, nasty, and tough to survive in these coming weeks and months. So they're all about efficiency. From now through March, 
deer are all about efficiency. Give me food, give me safety, move as little as possible in between. So find the sanctuary, find the food, and finally, the third pillar is timing your hunt right. And really, that's mostly related to weather. You know, if you've got that icy, crazy cold, frigid temperature kind of day that comes through, I mean, talking much colder than average for your area. For me here in Michigan, that's, you know, give me single digits or below zero digits. And that's going to get those deer on their feet earlier than usual, especially that big mature buck that's maybe been nocturnal all the last three, four or five weeks. That will be the thing that'll get him on his feet moving in daylight that evening. So if I've got those frigid temperatures, I love that. If I've got the big snowstorm that pushes through, the wind and the snow blows through a big blizzard. And now the day after when the weather has cleared, it's cold, there's six inches of new snow on the ground. And now it's like a high pressure bluebird day. I love a day like that too. So those are the kinds of days when you'll have that extra special movement in those sanctuary food type areas. So if you're just trying to kill a doe or a young buck, you don't need to wait for that weather. You can get out there on most days in a safe, good food source area and be able to kill a deer. But if you're trying to kill that one five-year-old or that whatever it is, those special weather days will usually be the trick to get them moving just a little bit earlier. So those are my three pillars. Give me a sanctuary, give me the best late season high energy food, and give me a really nice cold or fresh snowy day. And I'm going to be feeling really good about my late season chances. I like it, Mark. And if you already have your tags filled, um, but you have a season that is open this late or, or even later, I think there's a lot of value in just scouting this time of year and putting together a plan for next year. Um, because maybe you won't have a tag filled come this point next year. And historical patterns can be really predictable um, in late December and early January. I, it's almost like the least surprising places you see deer in the late season. And that's going to happen year after year after year. And so you could learn a lot if you just go out and drive around and glass some evenings. If you have a job that has a Christmas break or you're a student, you have a Christmas break. I think you can learn a lot that would uh, further your hunting in years to come. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Who else we're going to hear from this week is Seth Trokey in Illinois, Jacob Myers in Alabama, Brett Joy in New Hampshire, and then Caleb Combs in Oklahoma. And again, Mark, this is our final episode of this season of Rut Fresh Radio, and I imagine we'll have a recap episode. But either way, we will talk to you again next year. Great work this year, Spencer. It's been fun. I love following along. So uh, best of luck to everybody out there. Get it done here in the end of the season. All right, and joining us on the line first is Seth Trokey in Illinois from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Now, Seth, in Illinois, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? So lately here in Illinois, it's been about a 2, I would say. Everything from the rut slowed down, and we're kind of just seeing deer move right before dark to food sources. Is it historically that slow this time of year in Illinois? Yeah, historically it is. It is like that this time of year here. Uh, we had a weird rut, weird weather year with pretty warm temperatures and a kind of strange rut. Uh, it was short where I was at, and we didn't see too much like heavy chasing, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, this time of year, they're going to be hitting the food usually right before dark. And what are those food sources that are relevant for deer hunters in that part of the country? So definitely right now, um, especially where I'm at, Illinois, they're hitting the cut corn fields that haven't been disked over, uh, usually right before dark. 
And then if you have any acorns or anything like that, um, you might see a few in cut bean field if there's any any left, but just ag fields and, and normal stuff for this time of year around here. Have you been seeing any secondary rutting activity in Illinois this December? I guess early on December a little bit. Um, the does that weren't bred, we're still getting the bucks out and about a little bit. But right now, it's I think the rut's done for. What kind of a shift in bedding do you notice when we get into late season in the Midwest? So noticing my trail cameras and just observing deer um, being out and about, I've noticed that it's totally changed. They're bedding closer to the food where they don't have to move much. Um, it's been really windy too this this season. So they've been bedding, bedding on like the side of the slopes where the wind's not hitting in the sun, south facing slopes mostly. But yeah, that's what they're doing now. You mentioned they'd be running some trail cameras right now. Where do you want those located as we get into late December? So right now I'm putting my cameras on food and intersecting trails near the food so I can kind of see what made it through gun season and what's still out there. Um, Kind of watching for when they're going to start dropping antlers and stuff so I can get out there and take inventory on shed. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Illinois? I'm going to say it's still going to be a 2, maybe a 1, but yeah, the the rut activity is pretty much I would say over, over. Um, you might get lucky and catch them going to food, but that's your best bet. All right, Seth, good luck with what's up for your season. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is Jacob Myers in Alabama from the Southern Outdoorsman. Now, Jacob, in Alabama, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? That's been a strong 7 so far in the season, uh, especially where we're at here. Uh, kind of coming in from central Alabama, uh, something very specific about Alabama with the restocking that happened back here in the 1900s. Uh, we have uh, six different uh, peak breeding days throughout the season uh, based on different regions in the state. And where we're at right now, that peak breeding happened uh, based off the fetal measurements and testing the biologists have done uh, between December 14th uh, through the 17th is the peak breeding days. And right now, uh, we're starting to get back a little more of a higher kick up uh, with some of these bigger bucks on their feet. It's a really good time of the year to be killing some good deer. Um, but uh, it's exciting. Killed my buck. I killed a five and a half year old uh, last week, last Friday. And uh, he was fighting off a couple bucks uh, while he was on top of a doe. So uh, it's a great time of the year to be in the season or be out in the woods right now in Alabama. So for most of the state, what do you expect to be seeing for sign making right now? Sign making is kind of slowed down. Um, it, it will pick up, scrapes will pick up a little bit more in the next few days. Uh, currently, right now, scrapes are still being somewhat abandoned. Um, of course, rubs too. Um, but it's a great time of the year to be start targeting back on those scrapes, especially those scrapes right now that we've been finding inside some of this thick security cover. Uh, one thing special about Alabama, we have a very long gun season, uh, which can be uh, you know kind of hard on the deer. So the deer really do dive into these thickets, especially these does, too, to try to get away from these bucks. So those scrapes inside that thick cover can be excellent right now, especially for running trail cameras, uh, but also something that you'll see popping up a little bit more and hot and heavy over the next few days. In December in that part of the country, what food sources are relevant? 
food sources. So if you can find some red oak still in the ground, it's still going to be awesome right now. Uh, it's been pretty hit or miss right now. They cleaned up a lot of the oaks earlier in the season, it seems like, from what I was finding. Uh, but a lot of browse. You know, we don't have very harsh winters down here, of course, uh, being this far south. But, again, the browse, a lot of the green briar and everything else, uh, it's still going to be very relative all the way through the end of the season. So any of that really thick security cover or these clear cuts are just going to have that browse that the does are going to be feeding in, and that's where you're going to find the bucks. Where do you want to be running your trail cameras in late December in Alabama? On a scrape in a thicket, <laughs> uh, without a doubt. Uh, we're getting some awesome uh, footage right now. We're running some cell cameras uh, and some thick security bedding uh, on some primary scrapes. And it's been pretty awesome. This first year using cell cameras are kind of keying in when these deer, are, or especially these bucks, are really hitting those scrapes uh, and the doe groups coming through that thicket. So definitely, you know, putting a cell camera, putting a camera inside some of that thick security cover on a scrape is going to be very, um, you know, I guess, important for you. Or if you're hunting some private land, we hunt a lot of public. If you're hunting private land, if you have a really good destination food source, maybe like a really good food pot that just isn't getting hit very hard by hunting pressure, that might be a really good place, especially with a buck trying to check those uh, right now at this time of the season. When you have bucks rutting in Alabama in late December, what does the ideal morning setup look like for you? And then what does the ideal evening setup look like? Oh, I like that question. Uh, I, I love mornings. I love mornings uh, in and around cutovers, uh, clear cuts, um, especially if you can get one that's just a few years old. Um, it, it seems like you can always catch some does in their feeding uh, and those bucks absolutely cruising inside that thick cover and you can get elevated and get a, a good elevation on them. You can really see down into that stuff. Uh, so that's a fantastic morning spot. And then in the afternoons, getting still around some of those thickets, uh, whether it's, you know, five, six-year-old pines um, that's been replanted uh, or just a really thick cutover again in the evenings and setting up where you're going to have some bucks cruising those edges um, and also some of those exit trails that those are coming out of that stuff going down into the bottoms and feeding. Are you doing any calling or decoying this time of year? Uh, negative on the decoying, a little bit with the calling. Uh, again, mixed results. You know, I've talked to some individuals, uh, one named Richard Fott, having a ton of success using grunts uh, this time of year. Uh, you're tending grunts, really. Um, but again, very hit or miss based off, you know, kind of where you're at. So something I personally don't use a whole bunch, but I know guys that do have success this time of year in Alabama calling. When you have the southern rut happening and say you have a really warm stretch of weather roll in, how do you combat that? Is, are there any specific spots that you want to be hunting if you have some really warm days this time of year? I'll say this. These southern deer are fairly used to it. Um, you know, it's not going to come down like, you know, focusing on water. We have water everywhere. Every drainage is going to have water, so that's never a factor. Um, but really, it kind of comes more down to uh, positioning. You know, of course, those does are going to still be in that thick cover. And really, a lot of the stuff that we do, we try to target the thickest cover we can find. Because right now, those don't want to be harassed by the bucks. They're in that stuff to try and get away from them. And those bucks are always on those edges, uh, popping out of it and really trying to cover ground and cut trails. So I'll say this when I shot my buck last Friday, um, it was 65 degrees. So I was hunting in pretty much just a t shirt. Following day was 72 degrees, uh, and I was hunting in just a t shirt. So you know, it's one of those things you can't really help that down here, but definitely when we have a temperature swing like we had today, uh, especially over this next week, uh, you're going to see a lot of really good movement, especially later on in the day. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think the buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Alabama? 
in Alabama, I'm going to say for unless you're in the very southern part of the state, it's going to be pretty fantastic. I'd say it probably close to an eight, if not maybe higher. Uh, definitely, you know, if you can get out, if you're in Alabama, you can get out and hunt this week. You have a, a very good chance, especially central part of the state, to be able to kill one of your bitter, bigger and better bucks. Uh, again, these bucks are back on their feet looking for, you know, whichever doe is still about to come to heat before we get to that secondary rut, which we do have a very strong secondary rut around here based off the deer population. Uh, so again, it's just now getting good in Alabama. We got a long season ahead of us. Uh, so it's time to finally buckle down and get after them. All right, Jacob, congrats on your success so far and good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Spencer. All right. And joining us on the line next is Brett Joy in New Hampshire from the Just Hunt Club. Now, Brett, in New Hampshire, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Hey, Spencer. I'd say it's been uh, probably six or seven. Um, It's been, I'd say, above average, which is good. I think it's probably tapered off a bit from the rut, obviously, which are nearly a month removed from now. Um, But... um, it seems like it's kind of hit or miss, but movement can be really good um, if you've found an area that's relatively low pressure. Um, if you have a quality food source, um, if we have or you have some good weather, which you've seen kind of um, flashes of in the last week or so, um, or if you get that second red activity, which it seems to be a pretty uh, real thing in the east that I see more and more of, I don't know if I see more and more of it every year, but I become more and more aware of it, if that makes sense. What is a quality food source in one of the New England states this time of year? Man, we're such a diverse area. Obviously, uh, New Hampshire is the state that I focus on. Um, We're unfortunately closed, but, uh, you know, that could be acorns. Um, At this point in the year, it could be an old apple orchard or or a working apple orchard. Um, could be, you know, browse and a cut. I actually had a hunt last week where I, I'm, I hit a buck high, a mature buck. Um, but, uh, that was over a food plot. So if you have the ability to plant that, um, you know, that's, that's in New Hampshire. It could be, you know, I was in Ohio, uh, over the weekend that could be beans, corn, food plot there. It could be bait. It could be, you know, whatever, whatever. So it really is pretty, um, diverse in the Eastern half of the country, but I think, being able to identify that food source and then confirm the deer using it is going to be super helpful for you. What kind of areas should hunters in the East who are in the big woods focus on if they want to see some of that secondary rutting activity this time of year? I would uh, focus on, you know, areas with those and with, with uh, food sources, like we said before. So in the big woods, um, I would focus if you have mass crop, like Southern half of probably New England does or um, whatnot. I'd f- focus on acorns. If you're up north, I'd focus on cuts and then uh, areas that just haven't been getting a lot of pressure. The other thing that I like to key in on, if possible, is south-facing slopes because as it gets cold up here and the snow starts to pile up, those deer really start to move to those south-facing slopes and then bottoms, if possible. Um, so for those deer, a lot of them are going to move out of the high country. Um, or what we call high country outies. It's not a high compared to the West, but it's, you know, the higher elevations for your area. Um, they're going to move to lower elevations and so southerly facing slopes. And a lot of the times those southerly facing slopes will be um, hardwoods and have a fair amount of oak. If you got a fresh snow and you're doing some in-season scouting in the big woods, what are some things that you're looking for? 
Um, I would say that if your season's still open and you have that fresh snow in the big woods, you ought to try to be tracking down a buck. But if that's not your thing, or maybe it's archery season, um, I would be looking for feeding sign um, in those areas that uh, you know we've identified as food sources. You can hunt right there on those, and you may have some good luck um, if the deer have been pressured. If they have been, you may want to try to backtrack um, those deer to a bedding area, if possible, from that food source. So I'd, I'd probably start with uh, just trying to hunt that food source, getting the wind right, and start conservatively. But if I'm not seeing any deer activity there during daylight, and I'm thinking they're getting there later, I might try to try to backtrack cautiously from that food source to a bedding area and then hunt kind of that transition or maybe even right on the edge of the bedding area, depending upon what kind of daylight activity you're seeing. In the late season in the Northeast, what does a morning setup look like for you? Um, honestly, unless I'm tracking, I'm probably not going to hunt a lot of mornings. Um, I don't know if that's the right approach. Uh, it's just for me, the season's been a long one. <laughs> Um, and you're trying to beat deer back to bed, which can be tough. Um, I'm probably going to focus on those evenings, but I guess if I had to hunt a morning, I mean, they may look pretty similar to the evening setups. I may hunt a food source. Um, it's not, a lot of the food sources aren't super defined, so it's not like, you know, they're going to be feeding in a one acre area. They may be feeding in a, you know, 10, 15, 20 acre area. So the chances of you going in and the deer being right where your stand is, you know, when you're approaching aren't super high. Um, so it really depends on your situation, I'd say, but I'd be hunting on a food source or, you know, a bedding area. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in New Hampshire? I think it'll probably be right around a seven. The temperatures look like they're good. Uh, I think the only thing we didn't touch upon is cold fronts and weather. That's going to obviously increase activity significantly. Late season is really driven by snow and cold up here. Once you get the snow and the cold, the more dramatic the activity is, the more concentrated it is, and the better the hunting it is. And it looks like we do have some colder weather moving in. Nothing super dramatic, but it looks like we have maybe some snow and some, some colder temperatures. So I would say they're going to continue to move. You're going to continue to see some of that second rut activity as, you know, mature does are cycling into this for the second time, and maybe some of those fawns are coming in for the first time. So I think it's a pretty good outlook for uh, the next coming week. All right, Brett, congrats on the great season. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ben. All right, and joining us on the line next is Caleb Combs in Oklahoma from Stewart Ranch Outfitters. Now, Caleb, in Oklahoma, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say it's been about a 7, but that's only because I'm always optimistic about late season. It's my favorite time of year to hunt. Um so I still have it high. You can get it done. I've seen a lot of bucks in the recent trips I've taken lately during daylight hours. Uh, I know on camera they're still moving, but I'd have it higher. Like usually late season, I'd have it like a nine. Just the weather has been terrible. Um, it's hot and it's dry. We need some rain in a bad way. So, I mean, all of our food plots got hammered because uh, we haven't had rain since October and there's basically nothing left. Not a ton of acorns. I mean, they're just all real spread out right now. And what is it about late December in Oklahoma that always makes you so optimistic? Uh, I love anything post rut. So I'm not a big rut fan. I like before rut, but I especially like after just because I'm a big fan of food. Um, and late season, you can find them on the food sources trying to recover. I also like 
all the rifle hunters and all the pressure they put on them because usually it moves everything around. Um, so I, I just, I like everything about late season. You mentioned that you've been out with, without rain for a minute. Does that mean you've had a focus on water sources this fall or, or does it not matter much in that part of the country? I don't ever focus on water. I mean, it seems like you should. So, I mean, like there are times through my evolution as a hunter where I've ran cameras on springs or on the, you know, the holes that are always in the creek while the whole creek is dry and ponds. I just haven't had much luck with it. I think we get enough dew, enough, you know, frost and other things, you know, like I've never seen it be a, a plausible way to kill deer. Have you seen much of a secondary rut this year in Oklahoma? Uh, depends on where you're at. The place that I hunt most frequently has a very high deer population. Um, and it gets weird down there. I would say it's more, I'm sure y'all have had the podcast before, like Louisiana style, you know, like where you've had a bunch of deer that have come in from different places and it's a weird topography. So we have a lot of rut activity. Um, so that's what I'm used to. I'm used to a really long rut. Um, but around my home place, it's not, it's not that way just because all those deer are fairly similar and it's all cropland and that one kind of comes and goes more traditional. So Oklahoma is just very weird. Um, we have a lot of different topography, a lot of different, you know, subclimates or whatever. So it, it really depends on where you're at. You could be in southeastern Oklahoma and you could be in northwestern Oklahoma and it is a nine day difference. Where do you want to be running your trail cameras this time of year? Uh, I am always running them this time of year on pinches that lead to food sources. And I've still got them on scrapes because I mean like the big family scrapes, they're still hitting. Um, and then anything that I've got real, you can see all the trails now. I mean, this time with all the leaves gone and just, they've been wearing them down. I mean, you can see everything that they've been running in between all the bedding areas. So if you can get on the edges of those on food sources, you can pick up a dynamite inventory on who's left this year and especially who's left for next year so my favorite times to run cameras to get optimistic about next year and try and find where they're going to be when they shed because i love shed hunting it's common this time of year to see a shift in bedding in the midwest and in the north and in the northeast but is that something that you also see in oklahoma when you have such mild weather i don't know i don't know if it's a shift in bedding i i do see I think it, maybe it is, but usually I more associate it with uh, red activity just because, like I said, the place that I hunt, high deer population, and they're still trying to clean up the last bit of does that are coming in. So I've always associated that first week of December, which is my favorite week to go hunting, uh, with like late secondary rut because a lot of new bucks will come in, but it could possibly be from a shift in bedding as well. Um I'd have to look into that further, like as far as local, I definitely see a shift and I'm always following the shift. I don't know if it's late rut or, or bedding closer to food sources. That'd be a solid thing to look into. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that bucket activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Oklahoma? Uh, we had a little cold front like the last two days, but it is, it looks like it's leaving again. It's going to be seventies, 75, like going into Christmas, 75, 77. So I'll be out trying to shoot those. I mean, that's my main goal. It's a holiday antlerless season. Uh, so I, I think you can get out and 
put some meat in the freezer and you can definitely be still successful on bucks, but it is going to be hot. Like all the crops, like the alfalfa and stuff that I hunt after the last cut, barely any of it's come back and they haven't planted the winter wheat in a bunch of places. So, I mean, it's just, it's tough on food sources right now. All right, Caleb, good luck with what's left of your season. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you so much. Good luck to you too. And that concludes Rut Fresh Radio for 2021. Thanks to Seth, Jacob, Brett, and Caleb for joining me. And thank you guys for listening all fall long. For more whitetail tips and tricks, make sure you go to wiredtohunt.com, which will take you to the meateater.com and Wired to Hunt's landing page, where you're going to see articles every single week from folks like me, Tony Peterson, Mark Kenyon, Clay Newcomb, and then some of our guests like Bo Martonic, Alex Gilstrom, Dylan Tramp, and more. You can also sign up for our Whitetail Weekly newsletter while you're there, which comes out every single Monday. Uh, and I'm serious, you guys, when I say this, that these are the best whitetail hunters I know, some of the best whitetail writers I know. I'm always stoked to read their content. I think you would enjoy it too. It is an awesome way to get you from January to September again when whitetail seasons start to open across the country. Also, one week in November, episode six just dropped yesterday on Meat Eater's YouTube channel. Episode seven will come out in six days from now. Both of them are action-packed. You're not going to want to miss what happens in our last two episodes of the series. And thank you again for listening to Rut Fresh Radio. I really enjoy making these, uh, and I wouldn't do it if we didn't have folks listening and giving great feedback. So I really appreciate everyone who tunes into the podcast every single week. Everyone who downloads and subscribes and, and listens to these shows makes it all possible. If you want to follow along with what's left in my whitetail season, go follow me on Instagram at Spencer Newharth, and I will talk to you in 2022. And until then, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.